AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. We are covering ag issues from border to border on today's AgriTalk and checking on the latest action in the used machinery market. In Minnesota, there is an aggressive ag agenda in the state Senate. And in Texas, they're cleaning up from another ice storm and recovering from a multi-year drought. Live from the land of completely harmless wayward weather balloons via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with a conversation with Machinery Pete, Greg Peterson, then it's Texas Ag Commissioner Sid Miller, and later Minnesota Senator Eric Putnam. Right after the news, Brett Waltz from Bam WX, I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, now welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis, thank you so much. Come on now. Wasn't that one of the weirdest news stories that we've ever followed? Uh, definitely. Yes. And here's what bugs me. You wait for it to to traverse the entire nation before you shoot it down in the Atlantic? Right. Right. It hits the beach in Oregon or wherever it may have hit the beach. Who knows? On the West Coast. Shoot it down then. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, uh. You know, it, when it was coming over Canada, it was pretty tough terrain. It would have been really, really, really difficult to get to it in some of those spots. But I mean, you'd almost need like a like some sort of military jet, yeah, to, something to make like it through that, that yeah. terrain. You know, right. I don't know where we're going to get one of those. I don't know either. But I, you know, Montana, I, yeah, I, it's big sky country for a reason. It's because there's not a lot in the way of the view, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. except for mountains. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, th- there may have been an, uh, yeah, boy, we could talk about this for a while. I, and I got a feeling, I got a feeling that, uh, commissioner Miller is going to have a comment or two on, on how that whole situation <laughs> was handled. So I hope we'll, so. We'll see. Yeah, I, I kind of do too, but <laughs> I want to we'll, hear that. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it all goes. Everything good, man. I, we've oh, got dude. a beautiful day here. It was, it was like, I don't know if we got above freezing yesterday, but it was right there. It was nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was gorgeous all weekend here at the southern outpost yeah uh, sunshiny day this morning we're off to a good start bro you've got spring-like temperatures coming your way as i understand it we'll we do to, yep. yeah yeah we'll have to check with brett coming up on that uh here in just a little bit okay let's get to the news what do you got well chip pressure is mounting on president joe biden to hit back against china after the u.s sent divers to salvage what they believe is spy equipment from the chinese balloon shot down off south carolina china's vice foreign minister lodged a formal diplomatic protest with the u.s embassy in beijing in a press release chinese foreign ministry spokespersons said quote china reserves the right to make further responses if necessary meanwhile chip another balloon has been spotted over latin america yeah, it's just weird. Um, it, and one thing to keep in mind here, and you, you think to yourself, why in the world would you use a balloon? Well, if there's some navigation ability on that balloon from afar, um, it's it doesn't have to take the quick one-time photo. It can linger in an area and observe activities. And mm-hmm. those activities, I got a feeling, have been observed. 
Well, Europe has announced a ban on Russian diesel fuel and other refined oil products. The aim is to allow Russian diesel to continue flowing to places like India and to avoid a sudden price increase while reducing profits to Moscow. Europe will need to find new sources for diesel, turning instead to the United States, India, and the Middle East. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. You keep asking the question, where's our diesel? Where's our diesel? Well, I think our diesel's in Europe and more of it's going to be going that way. Well, and if the aim is to allow diesel to continue flowing to places like India and Europe's going to buy it from India. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The Wall Street Journal reports state governments are entering 2023 with record high cash reserves, which could help the overall economy weather a recession this year. Unlike the federal government, most state and local governments must balance their budgets every year. That means that a fall in tax revenues must be offset, most often by cutting spending and laying off workers, which exacerbates economic downturns. However, healthy reserves could make such cuts at the state and local level unnecessary. You know, I'm curious just how many dollars states accumulated during the pandemic and Mm -hmm. through some of the the assistance that was sent out to the states. I, it, it seems that there may have been quite the budget boom going on at that yeah. time. Well, as Russia's forces close in on the battered city of Bakhmut, Ukraine's president said his troops would hold firm. Standing alongside EU leaders on key, in Kiev on Friday, Zelensky declared that, quote, no one will give away Bakhmut. Meanwhile, America announced a new $2.2 billion aid package which includes longer-range precision missiles. The U.S. and Brazil, two of the world's largest biofuels markets, are joining an India-led international biofuels alliance that will aim to boost demand for the lower-emissions energy source. Further details will be outlined during a three-day India Energy Week forum, which opens today. You know, India keeps popping up in the news here, and especially on the energy side. Interesting stuff. Absolutely. Well, with revenue assistance... uh, Excuse me. Revenue assurance options in crop insurance established before the farm bill started, aiming for something similar. Farmers are increasingly blending marketing with their crop insurance programs. Most farmers are focused on the fate of the insurance programs. Then discussions about the Title One safety net talks in the ongoing farm bill mm-hmm. debate. And finally, Chip, an alliance of political and advocacy groups and ultra-wealthy conservative donors reportedly plan to get involved in the Republican presidential primary, of course, but it did not call out Donald Trump by name, suggesting the network may not support the former president in 2024. Chip. All right. Thank you very much. Let's bring in Brett Waltz, BAMWX.com. Good morning, Brett. Uh, Good morning, Chip. How are you? I'm doing just fine. We've got some beautiful weather for the middle of the country this week, don't we? Yes, we do. It may be a little bit active as we work later into this week, but I mean, we're talking about 50s, maybe some 60s possible in parts of Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, Kentucky, as we work into Wednesday and into your Thursday. So, uh, hey, we'll take it this time of the year, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, the active part of it, it does look like a couple of systems are going to make their way west to east. Yeah, so I really think that as we work later on into this week, I mean, we're looking at some pretty decent precipitation chances down from, you know, eastern parts of Texas all the way up through uh, parts of Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, uh, maybe some snow in parts of the upper Midwest. And this is something that isn't just a a one shot of rain. I think that we're going to have 
pretty continuous precipitation chances for the heart of the country as we work into next week and probably even beyond. It looks like a very, very active middle part of the month. This feels like the change to spring, Brett, is what it feels like. Yeah, at least at least for the time being. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if later in the month <laughs> winter tried to creep back in for oh, a yeah. time. But I do think, at least for now, it, it does feel a little bit more like spring. Yeah, it certainly does. And and uh, I'm not saying that, that winter is over and that it can't come back for for a, a shot here and there. But, but this feels pretty good. Okay, real quick, take me to Argentina. Hot and dry is what they is is the outlook, isn't it? Uh, at least for the next several days. But I'd be on the okay. lookout, especially into early next week, uh, for the chance of some solid rains for Argentina. I do think that there can be a little bit of relief there. Now, you end the month in, you know, to end the month in February and to start March, I do think that it starts to trend drier again, though. Okay. Trending drier into March. All right. Hey, Brett, thank you so much, buddy. We'll talk to you again next week. Yep. Thank you. All right. Brett Waltz, BAMWX.com. Of course, go to bampwx.com for more information from brett and the team over there okay when we come back it's time for our weekly update from machinery pete greg peterson's up next to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest timing is everything full scale from helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction FullScale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about FullScale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Machine repeat here, folks. This segment of AgriTalk brought to you by our friends at Dakota Ag Innovations, makers of Dakota Shine, the best way I've seen to fix faded paint. Go to dakotashine.com or call 888-996-7801. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us to start your Monday. Of course, we've got... Davis Michelson with us as well. And, Hello. Uh, uh, Monday mornings means it's time to have a conversation with Machine Repeat, Greg Peterson. Good morning, Greg. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? This blows me away. I, I you know, <laughs> I it, this one almost leaves you breathless. This is old school, big time. Here, let's let's get right to your pick of the week, man. Uh, I almost knocked you out of the chair with this. Yeah. One. Yeah, uh, it was uh, last Thursday. My good friends at Schrader Real Estate and Auction <clears throat> out there, they do an awesome job in the Indiana, Ohio, Michigan area. They had a, a little farm sale, Kinzinger Farms. It was in Greens Fork, Indiana. Uh, there weren't, wasn't too much on the sale, but uh, Luke Schrader dropped me a note. And he's like, Pete, check this one out. 1981 International 1586, 4,261 original hours. Uh, just a nice looking rig, uh, just, you know, straight. 
but it sold for 41,100 41, bucks, which when Luke sent me that, I was like, oh my gosh, I know that's a record. It's just by question how much. Went to machinerepeat.com. All our auction prices are free. Hop in there, check it out, folks. If you do a search on a 1586, you're going to find the next highest one is 25 and a quarter, which actually oh, was just, just back in September. Uh, Big Iron out of Salem Orchard, Nebraska, or a 77 model with 4,360 hours went for 25 and a quarter. But here again, you set a record by 15,850 yeah. bucks. I mean, and it's becoming. You know, we we see this on a weekly basis. It's just, you know, what's what's it going to be this week is basically the deal now. Yeah, Greg. You know, it it it, it used to be when we'd see a fifteen eighty six or some of those agcos or mm-hmm. whatever, um, and see a record price of twenty five thousand dollars. But my attitude toward that was, hmm, there's some cheap horsepower that you could put out there in the field. I don't know yep. if we can call forty one thousand a cheap horsepower anymore. Well, I, I I'm with you. I I. But, you know, it's funny because I guess it's all relative because, yeah. you know, we post that and, you know, obviously there's a half the reaction is, you know, oh, that's ridiculous. Why did someone pay that? But, you know, the other half of the folks, you know, understand it and they go, well, that's the way the market is. And by the way, if you want to get that horsepower new, I mean, what yeah. does it cost? Well, first yeah. of all, can you even get it? And then right. two, what's it cost? So, you know. Um, it gets into a deeper discussion, inflation and what, you know, to what degree is this all just inflation or, you know, I've been contending. Yes. That's obviously a huge piece of it, but the uh, supply, the tightness on the, on the use side. And I think really, if you, if you wind it back, Chip, um, what happened the fall of 21 and harvest time with uh, supply chain and parts availability, and computer chips it it just made a lot of folks you know go to get that extra machine now this is an extreme example but um you know an older model that's you know pre-def pre-tier four and you can wrench on it whatever and And that 1586 can do some work i mean there's no question about that you're not going to hook up to huge equipment with it and go out there and (laughs) and start blowing smoke but it can get some work done Hey, well, they're they're made to work, right? Yeah. And so, you know, it's gonna get wow. it's gonna do what it's gotta do. They they were built to do the job and uh not complain and not bark back at you, no yeah. computer to f- hook it up to fix it. So it is what it is. And again, forty one one, that was really something. It really is. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and what makes it even that much more impressive is breaking the old record by sixteen thousand dollars. That's just uh yeah, wow. well, wow, wow, I'm a wow. data guy, and statistically, yep. when you see stuff like that, again, I never used to see that. And, you know, another example here, Chip, uh, the day before last week, last Wednesday, our friends at Big Iron, okay. uh, they had a retirement sale for Mickey Gotch out of Kennard, Nebraska. And Mickey, boy, had beautiful stuff, uh, including a 2008 John Deere 8530 tractor with 5,014 okay. hours on it now. You can look at the sale price. It sold for two hundred ten thousand two hundred fifty bucks. And here again, if you hop into machinerepeat.com and punch up the highest eighty five thirties ever, you're going to see that's number two, uh, second highest ever. But what got me was that, you know, it's not twenty one hundred hours on it's it's five thousand hours. So we have filters in the website you can search. And I applied a filter and I said, well, show me the highest auction prices ever on an eighty five thirty with five thousand plus hours. Yeah. And this one at two ten and a quarter last Wednesday, 
That was 41,000 over the highest ever on the 8530 with 5,000 plus hours. 41,000. But again, pre-def, pre-tier four, Mickey's tractor, super condition. Here's your chance to buy it. By the way, I looked at machinerypeat.com. I think there were only 14 8530s for sale nationwide to start with. Okay. And then here's a super duper one. And again, that's what it brought, 210 and a quarter. Wow. And you know, and you know that made me think of something, Chip. Uh, we were filming an auction December 5th in Hamlin, Iowa. Dwayne and Pat Sunberg, folks probably remember the sale. It was awesome. They had the first complete set of John Deere 20 series tractors I've ever seen. 81, yes. 2, 3, 4, 5, 20. Yep. Okay. When they sold the 8220, it had 2,675 hours on it and it brought 182 which again, 42,000 over the record price right after it sold. And I'm there with my iPhone shooting video. We're filming it for the TV show. A guy taps me on the shoulder. I turn around. He's got the biggest smile on his face you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I, I know I recognize the dude and we start talking and he was at an auction. We filmed for machinery PTV, November 25th, 2019 in Williams, Iowa, super nice farm retirement sale, but to show you how timing is everything in life. Again, that was 19. Yeah. Market hadn't taken off. And they had an 8220 on that sale with 1,380 hours. So half as many hours. He yeah. bought it for 117. Okay. And people maybe back then thought, oh, that's crazy, 117. Yeah. Well, we just watched one with twice the hours go for 182. That's 65000 more dollars three years later. I tell that's- you what, my 401k hasn't done that, Greg. <laughs> Yeah, mine has been stuck in reverse, but you yeah. know. But here again, I'm a, I'm a fan of the theory of opposites. This is why, Chip, in December of 15, I wrote a column in Farm Journal that's, you know, and times were tough then. And I said, folks, be aggressive right now. Be a buyer. Because yeah. dealers had too much stuff on the lot. Auction prices had just stopped falling from their peak. They, they fell hard for two and a half years. Yeah. But you got to, you know, even with the stock market now. So last week I was talking to young, a young farmer group with Compere Financial up in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm trying to give them life advice. And I go, I said, guys, I'm not, gals, I'm not trying to be weird here, but I'm going to go off topic. And I said, I'm a huge fan of the theory of opposites. Mm-hmm. So when everyone is saying, oh, things are bad, be aggressive. Yep. Likewise, flip it. Yep. When things are frothy, be okay to stay out of it. Yeah, you got to have your powder dry to take advantage when dollars are tight. But yep. that example I just showed you there on that eighty-two twenty, he bought it for one seventeen right. when nobody wanted to buy. And now it's worth sixty-five k. It's worth like oh, yeah, his tractor's worth a hundred thousand more dollars three years yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. Okay, let's get to those uh, loader tractors that you got here. Yeah, you want to talk about how, how good used loader tractors are. How about this? Uh, Big Iron, again, our friends, they have a sale coming up December or February 22nd, retirement sale for Vincent Weber, Laporte, Iowa. Beautiful stuff. He's got a 2010, again, pre-def, pre-tier 4, John Deere 7730 with a loader, 2,264 hours. Okay. Within 16 hours of the listing going online, it was up to 127 and a quarter. The highest auction price I've ever seen on a 7730 is 128. Now the thing is already up to 133. It's already 5K already over the record. highest I've ever seen. And again, 
that's that's the market right now. It, it doesn't wow. matter if we like it or don't like it. That's just yeah, that's just reality. That's what this thing is. When yep. when the right use tractor is there, they just ring the bell exponentially. Right, right. All right, you got to do this one too. Tell us about the Steiger. <laughs> yeah, folks, you can list your equipment for sale on our website, machinerypeat.com. Just go there. There's a little link right on the front. It says sell mine. Cost 50 bucks. We had a guy from Washington State last week list a Steiger Tiger 3 ST470 completely restored, only 5,800 hours on it. I took one look at it and went, oh my goodness, this is going to. This is going to go crazy. I posted about it on our social media, Machine Repeat, and it sold in a day and a half. A young yeah. fella dropped me a note. I think it was listed at like 140. Uh, a young fella bought it and he goes, oh my gosh, Machine Repeat, my grandpa had a tractor just like that, a Tiger Three. So again, uh, when the right tractors show up at auction yep. or for sale, private market, super hot. Super hot. And there are those out there that are super ready to buy. Checkbooks yeah. out. You betcha. You betcha. Man, these are great conversations. Craig, <laughs> they leave me shaking my head sometimes, but boy, they are informative. Thank you so much, buddy. All right. Have a great week, Chip. You too. That is Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. He'll be back with us next Monday morning for another update. Sid Miller from Texas next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach starting a new week on the defensive in the grain markets. What's going on? Yeah, uh, really, our chip. Uh, a lot of it is the China-U.S. situation and what's going to happen over that uh, surveillance balloon that was uh, you know, floating over the U.S. and, and shot down uh, off the east coast of uh, South Carolina uh, during the weekend. So, uh, you know, I... I don't think it'll maybe lead into anything. Who knows? But uh, you know, just kind of defensive in nature here to kick off the week. Uh, we did have some daily corn export sales this morning uh, to Mexico and to Japan, uh, but uh, that's doing little more than just helping limit the uh, the selling pressure in the corn market. Uh, so just mild losses, one to two cents in corn, and eight to nine cents lower in soybeans here at mid morning. Yeah, U.S. dollar took off around the time the grain markets were opening, too, uh, up about 650, 660 points right now. So that can't be helping out the grain markets either, uh, is it? No, that's, uh, you know, really wheat uh, pushed to the upside late in the overnight session. That's zapped that that, uh, buyer interest, and, and wheat's now trading to the downside. All right, got some mixed trade over in the livestock. 
What's happening? Yeah, we do. Um, so cattle, um, you know, higher last week in the cash market. Expectations are that we'll see firmer trade again this week. But uh, buyers are remaining cautious. They have some premium built in there. So uh, they'll, they'll wait. Uh, they'll probably be cautious in, until we get closer to actual cash cattle trade uh, mid to late part of the week. Um, feeder cattle, they're, they're kind of keeping an eye on the, uh, the corn market this morning, yeah. though the uh, mild weakness isn't generating much buyer interest. And then hog futures, aside from the uh, February contract yeah. under heavy pressure this morning. Yeah, they're taking all the premium out of those back-month hogs. Thanks, Brian. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady, Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, Davis Michelson is with us. We're working to get Hello. Commissioner Miller on the line with us. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll get to him out of Texas just as soon as we can. So um, the amount of commentary about a balloon, mm-hmm. I've, I've never seen seen this level of uh of of political gamesmanship over this mm-hmm. thing and mm-hmm. like we were talking about at the start of of the show davis it seems like this is one that could have been taken care of and could have been a a uh a, a real you know you could mark it down as a win yep. for the biden white house if they had taken care of it much much earlier than what than what they decided to do yes and you know it's like bond villain stuff dude you're gonna you're gonna float a surveillance balloon yeah it's crazy yeah it, it really is and like i said there are some advantages to the balloon over satellites and the uh-huh. ability to kind of hang out and uh slow down the 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 glide so that mm-hmm. you can uh, linger in an area and and take mu- make multiple observations, it seems uh, it seems kind of scary. Well, and I, and no I guess I I can understand. Um, you know, you you don't want to be the guy that throws the first punch, I guess, and especially when we're talking about uh, you know well, inter- international relations. It's already dicey to yeah. begin with, you and know, especially especially. If you throw the second punch, knowing full well that those that threw the first punch mm-hmm. are going to say that you're throwing the first punch. Right. Yes. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like the fights in a football game. The guy that initiates it rarely gets the blame. Mm-hmm. All right. It's the guy that gets caught because, oh, hey, there's something going on over there. Look, he just threw a punch. Um. Well- and in this case, there the division on whether or not that balloon should have been shot down is kind of mind-boggling to me. Well, it's and they, the whole timing. It is, and they, yeah. you know, can't does China really think that we would believe now one over Latin America as well? Yeah, um, exactly. Okay, maybe one. What sort of civilian, first of all, has has a giant balloon like this that right. accidentally got away from them? Right. Okay, maybe. Maybe one. All right, maybe. 
Now right. a second one? How many giant balloons are there that these people are? You know, <laughs> hey kids, it's 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 all the yeah. rage in Beijing. Let's go out in the backyard and and set yeah. it up. I I got you one of them balloons. Well, all the kids are talking about. And the thing is, the thing is, you uh, if you get numb to it, and all of a sudden, then they're there for the real mission. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you let one go, well, then they're going to try a second one, and by the time the third one shows up, what's it carrying? Yeah, mm-hmm. what what kind of uh what what kind of an attack is is going to be launched from something like that? It you know, just seems it seems so weird to say something like that, but it wasn't that long ago that we had one of the one of the intelligence officers saying, "Listen, we're going to be at war with China, physical war with China with, by 2025." Yeah. That's only 2 years away, you guys. So it's coming right obviously up. something that we need to uh we we need to watch here very closely. Okay, so l- last week we had the uh, uh, we had another ice storm down across the south and in Texas and mm. so on. And I wanted to talk with with uh, Commissioner Miller about how farmers and ranchers in the state are dealing with it. And I don't know if we're going to get to him or not here this morning, but I will okay. say this. Uh, the commissioner tweeted some information out. Over the weekend, uh, actually did a retweet on on some uh, to show just how much of the grid was being fed with the um, with the uh, uh, either solar or wind power, you know, oh, the renewable yeah. power versus fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Well, on on one of the uh, on one of the tweets that Commissioner Miller put out, it was thank God for fossil fuels because they were less than 1%, right at 1% on the renewable mm. side of thing. Low carbon mm. came in at 10% um, and uh, the rest of it was from natural gas. And, and co- no, I shouldn't say that. I should not say that the rest of it was from natural gas, nuclear. Mm-hmm. There was some coal, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then natural gas was, was the biggest provider by far. So we've got our reliable, our, we've got our reliable supply of energy, and then we've got the unreliable, and that is once again proving to be wind and solar. Now, I'm not saying that it can't contribute, and at times when wind and solar can be relied on, it's a very, it, it works, it works. I I get that, uh, but to rely on it solely. Mm-hmm. As some in as some in a decision making position would would have us do, mm-hmm. that seems very very dangerous to me, Davis. Well, and and here's the thing, and it it is a little bit ironic and maybe cheeky to point it out. I don't like the term global warming, climate change. Um, I grew up in Iowa. We got all kinds of climate change from moment to moment. Right. The climate changes um, in with the concept of climate change for Texas, maybe to have to start thinking about, geez, we we might need to up our cold weather game. Right. Just to keep what infrastructure we do have, that reliable infrastructure, make it so that it is reliable in the event of, you know, what for them turned out to be catastrophic cold right. temperatures wintry weather further yeah. south you know yeah 
Yeah, and the thing is, the way that you keep a natural gas plant up and running and producing electricity reliably is you keep it up and running. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we need to do it as as environmentally conscious as we as we mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. And we we don't, you know, and with the coal plants, they need to be the next-gen coal plants. And, and the next-gen coal plants are going to be very clean, as I understand. Um, it's just that I don't know if there's going to be much of a market for them because of the tremendous support behind these other sources of... Uh, of power generation that seem to be less than reliable. So well, yeah. a lot of issues, a lot of issues going on down there. Indeed. And, you know, ultimately the investor wants to get a return on yep. those investments in, I don't think the investor's dollar really cares where right. it goes, whether it's renewable. Now, outside of the ESG, the climate uh, investor sort of stuff, you know, you you, you got to show on your, your balance sheet now, oh, well, we've helped the climate in this way by investing in this project. You know, you kind of got to get some of that out of the way. I think that needs to wash through the system a little bit. But right. the the dollars will flow to what works for the citizens. You know, what does, yeah. I don't know, do you, do you still have to pay your electric bill if you don't have electricity? <laughs> yeah, I think you probably do. I think oh. you probably do. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's pretty difficult. Okay. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to check with the commissioner on was the condition of the ranchers in the state. And, yeah. and you look at the cattle inventory report that came out last week, total number mm-hmm. of cattle and calves in the state of Texas, and the total number of cow, beef cows and heifers that have calved mm-hmm. uh, gets you they, – they're down about 2%. But that is down from a lower uh, – from a, a, an inventory that was reduced from the year before. Mm-hmm. and down from mm-hmm. a number that was reduced from the year before that. So there's been at least three years of liquidation in that Texas cow herd that's leaving us kind of scratching our head, wondering exactly how that cattle industry is going to come come back. It's not dead. It is far, far, far from dead. Okay? Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. But but to recover to the back to levels, you know, we started – that drought in 11, in 2011, and then we had about two years, three years of relief, and then it kicked back up again, mm. all right, in 2019 and continued on through 2021, 22. We've been dealing with abnormally dry conditions down there. Now, it would sure be nice if we could string together, say, 10 years of of at least normal rainfall, and that's the kind of thing that would give the Texas cattlemen the confidence that they can go ahead and rebuild a herd. But the way things stand right now, Davis, that is going to be a huge task to try to um, wrap their head around and to go ahead and make the investment in that cow herd that I think the rest of the country is going to need Texas to eventually make and, uh, well, and to rebuild that herd down there. That's and here's tough. The, here's the thing. Didn't Elwin Taylor tell you about some uh, Gorgonzola cycle or something that was supposed <laughs> to be not, at a peak in like a 24, 25? Yeah. It's, well, I, 
there there are different names for it. I'm, I'm not sure if Gorgonzola is in there or not. I think that's right. I am pretty sure that uh, for me, it's just the 89 year drought cycle. Okay, that's but easier it's like to say. Geisberg. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, the Geisberg cycle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So that is very much still in play, and and uh, uh, we're still headed in that direction. So we will see. We will Yikes. see. Yikes. All right. Um, we understand that uh, Commissioner Miller was uh, just he's got to break away yep. Uh, yep. from what he was doing, and we certainly understand that. We'll look forward to getting Commissioner Miller back on the show at some other time. All right, coming up next, we've got Eric Putnam. He is a Minnesota state senator. Coming up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgSaver glyphosate, 53.8%, as low as $25.99 a gallon tote price when you pay cash. Then build a maximum qualifying FBN acre pack at FBN.com slash direct. Ends February 28th. Prices subject to change. TNC apply. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us on this Monday morning. Davis Michelson is here as well. Standing by. Let's go just a little bit north, have a conversation with the new chairman of the Minnesota Senate Ag, Broadband, and Rural Development Committee, Eric Putnam. Senator Putnam, thank you so much for making time for us. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing just fine, just fine. You've got a pretty aggressive agenda for your committee up there this this, uh, season, don't you? Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Uh, It really is, but it's a lot of good stuff. Okay. Let's start it off, and you are looking at uh, uh, the right to repair legislation. What uh, what exactly are you looking at, at doing? That's still in the early stages. I haven't okay. actually seen a bill come through on that one yet, so I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm familiar with the problem, and I met with some lobbyists about it recently, but we haven't seen the actual bill or the language yet, so there's still a lot to figure out on that one before I got much to say on it. Sorry about that. Okay. All right. How about the beginning farmer tax credit? Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm excited about that. That's we're gonna we made a couple changes. We're gonna put some more money into it, and we made a couple changes. One of them is to allow uh, beginning farmers tax credit to work on intergenerational transfers, so that if you got some kids who want to take over your farm, uh, you can use the beginning farmers tax credit with them. And they couldn't do that in the past, so I think that's a pretty big, significant improvement. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that's that is a little difficult to identify sometimes is who exactly is that beginning farmer because it could be uh, it, it could be a 21 year old, it could be an 18 year old, or it could be a 50 year old. 
Uh, does that age come into play there? Right. You know, I mean, the problem is we need more people farming. And I don't think that we should make those kinds of distinctions in St. Paul and worry about it. We should let people help each other out and get into farming, especially with how much land costs now. Yeah. We got to get as many people as we can into the into the industry. Uh, and I also think it helps people and their families. So I think it's, uh, in general, just a pretty good decision. But yeah, I agree. We shouldn't have some kind of list of official requirements in St. Paul yeah. telling people who they can rent their land to and what a beginning farmer is. Right, right. Okay. What about with the grain elevators and the indemnity? What are what what uh, what are you looking at there? You know, that's looking pretty good. I've heard a lot from a lot of farmers about this, that it's something a lot of people want. And uh, a lot of the people you'd think might be opposed aren't that opposed because the program we're looking at is going to be optional. Uh, so the governor had, I think, $5 million in his budget for it. But in the Senate, we're going to ask for more because if it starts off uh, safe and solvent, it's less likely that we're going to have problems with it in the future. So we want to put a little bit more money in the Senate. But from what I'm hearing from farmers, I don't know what you've heard, but from what I'm hearing, people support it. People want it because they want that stability. Uh, yeah, but I don't what, know if you've heard differently. But... What is the stability that, that this program provides? Well, it protects you from when uh, an elevator goes south. Okay. Um, you know, so a lot of people end up going into bankruptcy when an elevator um, uh, mm -hmm. goes down um, because of, you know, how that works. And uh, with this indemnity fund, um, you'll, you'll be able to ma be made whole uh, when something like that happens. And I think that's important. It's a whole, you know, if you put your entire uh, grain just in there and that elevator, um, you know, collapses, you're done. Yeah. Uh, and current programming doesn't make you whole. Well, like a lot of things, like even with, uh, you know, some of uh, our livestock provisions, when you have to depop your, depopulate your population, if you don't get made whole and you just get pittance from the government, that that's it helps a little bit, but not as much as it should. Yeah. And that's what the Grand Indemnity Fund should take care of. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good stuff. Good stuff. What Thanks. else is that's on your here. priority list? Well, you know, we were talking about uh, getting more people into farming. And one thing I'm hearing a lot is the cost of land. So we're working on redoing the uh, down payment assistance program that they started last year, which is a great program. It's so good. I don't know if you heard this, but within the first, I think, 20 minutes of the program being open for applications, no, first five minutes, there were 28 applicants already. Wow. And it was oversubscribed before the day was done. So clearly people need help buying land. And uh, this is a great way to do it. So we want to put some more money into that. That's pretty important to us. Gotcha. Um, Gotcha. What yeah. about broadband? Getting getting uh, rural Minnesota connected. Oh, that's huge. You know, and one of the problems you hear people talk about is that our maps aren't good, so we don't even know who has broadband and who doesn't. So a big part uh, of the challenge is information collecting. And so one of the things that I want to put more money into is the line extension program that allows people just to call the Department of Economic Development and say, "Look, I don't have broadband," yeah. so that people can self-report. Because that's a big part of the problem. And there's still 291,000 houses in the state of Minnesota without broadband. And the way that broadband works now, I mean, it's like water or electricity. Yeah. We wouldn't take yeah. our time if we had wide swaths of greater Minnesota without water. We would just fund it and take care of it. And the two challenges that we have are the maps and the information and money. And uh, I think that we've got a pretty robust investment at this time around. We got about $130 million from the federal government. And uh, the governor wants to throw in another 276. And that should okay. get us about a third of the way halfway through. Okay. So do you anticipate some progress on that uh, 
in 23, or is that something that's a little bit further down the road? No, it's going to happen. We're going to put the resources there, but it still takes okay. a while to do it. You know, because these right. are partnerships with providers, public-private partnerships, and each area is going to do them in different ways. But we're going to make some progress. We're going to put some money into that, I'm pretty sure. Very good. Very good. Okay, what else? Is there anything else that you're really focused on for the year ahead? Uh, you know, those are the, the big things. We want to keep a lot of okay. uh, programs that already exist still going. We, I want to throw a lot more money into meat processing. Okay. You know, we just don't have meat processing plants in the state of Minnesota. And a lot of people want to get into that business, but they need that initial investment. So I want to facilitate that. We're working on some meat processing grants to help people start doing that and some grants for people to go to school in case they want to learn how to be a butcher. Um, Very cool. There's lots of cool stuff that we can do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, There is a piece of legislation in Iowa that you can look at as a template on that. I, it, it's, uh, it seems to be working, and it seems to be very popular. So uh, good stuff. Good stuff, Eric. We appreciate your time today, and, and good luck. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. That is Eric Putnam. He is the new chairman of the Minnesota Senate Ag, Broadband, and Rural Development Committee. So lots going on up in Minnesota, no doubt about it. Okay. Hey, thank you so much for listening this morning. Really appreciate it. Boy, come back this afternoon. We're going to get uh, into the markets and into the risk management strategies. We've got Garrett Toy from Ag Trader Talk, and tomorrow morning, Colin Woodall from the NCBA, right here on AgriTalk. <laughs>